And I am uh, really looking forward to the message today, the series today. Like I said, last week, Brad kicked off our series, Supernatural on Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> and so if you missed that message, he talked about spiritual warfare. I don't even know if it was planned, but this was the series that we wanted to do, and it just felt very fitting to kick it off on Halloween. But last week, talking about spiritual warfare, and um, I mean, Brad brought the word. It's so good. And so go on our YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check it out if you missed it. And really recognize that there is a force out there that is trying to separate you from God that is doing all they can to attack, to attack, to attack, and to create that divide separating us from the Holy Spirit, from God. And then for the remainder of this series, Supernatural, we wanted to start off with spiritual warfare, and then we want to talk about, for the rest of November, like I said, the Holy Spirit. And reason being is, uh, one, because a lot of us um, don't understand who the Holy Spirit necessarily is, even though there are so many verses that we glance over or worship songs where we sing about and we talk about the Spirit. So it's not really a new concept for us, but we want to spend the last three weeks really diving deep into who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works in our life. And so the title of my message today, if you're a TikTok lover, then you're going to love the title of this message. It is Holy Spirit Activate. Who's on TikTok and knows what I'm talking about? Okay, four of us, great. Um, I'm not going to advocate to download the TikTok app because it is addicting, but if you're on there, go check out Holy Spirit Activate. I am not going to do the dance for you, unfortunately, Um, but no, heck no. (laughs) But Holy Spirit Activate is the title of the message today. Really looking forward to what God has in store for us. Um, we're going to be wrestling with three questions, walking through three questions. Today is going to be kind of like the 30,000-foot overview. We're going to barely scratch the, the surface of the Holy Spirit. Barely scratch the surface. It's going to be like one of those situations where you have like an itch on your back, and you ask your friend to scratch it for you, and they do a little bit, and then it just gets weird, and so they stop. That's going to be today, okay? We might get a little bit weird in what we talk about, but we're going to have to stop scratching And then, you know, spend the rest of November scratching, and then even then, the rest of your life. And so keep scratching. That, I mean, I already gave you your assignment at the beginning of the message, so then you can be thinking throughout, all right, I know where Jordan's going. It's keep scratching, but we got to start at the basics. And so it's going to be a 30,000-foot overview, and I just want to be honest, okay? Um, Talking about the Holy Spirit is difficult. It's challenging. It's scary at times. It's nerve-wracking because there are some individuals who spend their entire lives walking through the knowledge of the Holy Spirit and believe that you have to get every single word perfectly said and correct or else you're a heretic. And that can be very fearsome (laughs) Uh, because I think whenever we start to scratch the surface of understanding exactly, exactly who God is and put God in a box, then the box gets bigger and God gets bigger. And so it's, it's really difficult talking about a God that never changes, but at the same time is never fully understood until we're with God in heaven. And so that, I mean, that's so, such a difficult assignment. So that's why today um, we're just going to be a 30,000 foot overview. I might not answer all of your questions, but I really just want to give you the itch to scratch so that you can then go on and continue to learn and love and walk with the Holy Spirit for the rest of your life. Okay? 
I'm looking forward to this message. Let's dive right in. We're going to be walking through three questions today. All right, the first question is, who is the Holy Spirit? We're going to define the Holy Spirit. Second question is, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? And then the third question is, what role does the Holy Spirit play in the world and in our life? So who is the Holy Spirit? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? And what role or roles do the Holy Spirit play in our lives, in the life, in the world today? And so, hey, let's dive right in. First question, we're going we're gonna to spend about 10 minutes on the first two questions and then 20 minutes on the last question um, because there is a lot of roles that the Holy Spirit fills and all of that fun stuff. First question, who is the Holy Spirit? We talked as a staff and we came up with this definition depending on the theologians, the individuals that you talk to, the sites that you, um, you know, study or the pastors that you walk through, you might have different wording and stuff. This is here at Crossbridge, what we believe. The Holy Spirit is God and is the person of God on earth and in us when we allow him to be. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit is God and is the person of God on earth and in us when we allow him to be. Holy Spirit is God and is the person of God on earth and in us when we allow him to be. And even within that definition, there's so much to unpack. And so write a few of those words down, and then again, go scratch the itch. Who is the Holy Spirit? There's verse after verse after verse of walking through. And so then the next question that you might be thinking about, okay, I know who the Holy Spirit is, not what, not it, but who the Holy Spirit is. So how do I receive the Holy Spirit? How do I receive the Holy Spirit? And this is where um, there's actually quite a few examples throughout the New Testament of individuals receiving the Holy Spirit, and many of them don't have the same method or approach in receiving the Holy Spirit. So there really wasn't one way that the Holy Spirit was present in somebody's life. We have a couple of, actually three of the four examples come from Acts in different chapters. One in which Peter says, hey, repent and be baptized and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. Then another time in Acts, there's a group of individuals praying in a room and then tongues of fire are present in the room and then they receive the Holy Spirit. And then Acts chapter 4, there's a group of individuals just simply praying to receive the Holy Spirit. And then they receive the Holy Spirit. And then Paul talks about in Ephesians, he says, hey, when you are worshiping and praising and singing hymns and uh, just glorifying God, the Holy Spirit is present and powerful. And so what we've decided across is just to make it just all of those different examples that once again, they don't necessarily all line up with each other. But here's what we believe. James 4.8 says this. Come near to God, and God will come near to you. Come near to God, and God will come near to you. So we believe in order to receive the Holy Spirit, come near to God, and God will come near to you. So what does that look like? Because James chapter 2 says that even the demons have faith and believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe who God is, and they shudder. And the demons don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not simply enough to just believe that God exists. You can't just stop at believing. James says, faith without works is dead. And so, yes, there are people who would identify as Christians who believe in God that don't have the Holy Spirit, who simply believe but don't exceed that expectation. And so there's, again, a couple of different ways. So this was actually a two-part question. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Okay, we answered that question. And then, how do you strengthen your awareness 
of the Holy Spirit working in the world and in you. And we're going to be walking through just a few examples of how you do that, okay? And there's something called spiritual practices. Spiritual practices, all right? And that phrase might sound intimidating, but it's something we've actually been talking about for years and just haven't identified. We just finished a series on the, one of the biggest ones, prayer. Prayer is one of the biggest and most effective spiritual practices you can do. And that is one of the ways that you draw near to God and God, God draws near to you and you grow in your relationship. You grow in your um, awareness of the person of God, of the Holy Spirit, by spending time in prayer, intimate prayer, prayer that lasts, prayer that is intentional, prayer that is conversing with God and listening to God, strengthening your understanding of who God is. Another spiritual practice that was very common uh, back in Bible times, and I think we've lost sight of a little bit in modern culture, and that's fasting. Fasting was one of the spiritual practices that the apostles would do, that the prophets would do in the Old Testament. Um, there's something famous known as the Daniel fast, where Daniel um, basically was uh, an individual who was uh, chosen by the king and said, hey, you have to eat a certain way. And Daniel said, how about I eat the healthier way instead of the Big Mac way? And if I look healthier and feel healthier than the Big Macs do, then I will, um, then, then you have to let me eat and serve God this way. And so they separated. Daniel ate his vegetables and the rest of them ate their Big Macs. At the end of the, the uh, time period, Daniel was the healthier version. And so then that was known as the Daniel fast, where he gave up certain supplements and really just um, spent that time glorifying God and putting God first in his body. But fasting doesn't just have to be with food. For some individuals, it should be with food, where that is the thing that, you know, separates them, keeps them from God, and so they need to take a break in different areas, maybe a sugar fast, maybe a protein fast, maybe a dairy fast, it, just different ways that you can fast. Uh, but one of my favorite practices in fasting is through technology, through social media, where uh, some of my day offs, when I have a day off, I'll just turn off my phone for the day. Or if I'm on vacation, I'll turn off my phone for the whole week, and I'll just spend time fasting technology and fasting social media for the week so that I can, you know, really draw nearer to God. Another spiritual practice of serving. Again, these are all concepts that we've talked about. Giving, sacrificing. They're all concepts that we talked about. Spiritual practices are practices that help you draw nearer to God. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. And then how do you strengthen your awareness of the Holy Spirit. Because there might be times in your life where you're like, hey, I feel the Holy Spirit working in me. I feel God working in the world. But I'm not recognizing that some other times. So does the Holy Spirit leave me? Does the Holy Spirit stay with me? All of those different things. And it really comes down to your awareness. How much are you putting in to your awareness of the Holy Spirit? How much are you putting into that gift? How much are you putting into the person of God? Are you spending time in prayer when you have big decisions coming up? Are you spending time fasting when you're feeling disconnected from the glory of God? Are you spending time giving and serving and sacrificing when you're trying to be a good steward and faithfulness to God and his glory? And then probably, the, uh, you know, again, one of the bigger uh, spiritual practices, last one we'll talk about, dive into God's word. Dive into the Word of God. Spend time studying and learning and engaging in this, this Word that is active and alive and is breathing and so powerful. Trying to, again, 
define something that is undefinable, that is uncontainable, that is just so incomprehensible, but at the same time, never changing. Language that is so weird for us to understand because we're humans and we're imperfect. Okay, so that was the first 10 minutes of the message. Who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is God and is the person of God on earth and in us when we allow him to be. Question number one. Question number two, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Come near to God. God will come near to you. Come near to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will come near to you. And then question number three, where we're going to spend the last 20 minutes of the message on today. So what are the roles of the Holy Spirit? Why does this matter? That's why you might be thinking, why can't I just love people? Because you are missing out on the power of the Holy Spirit when you don't identify the Holy Spirit in your life. These are our benefits. This is like the benefit package. You go to your job and you're like, hey, yo, I can't get a 401k. Like, do I get paid time off? Do I get a raise? All these, this is the benefits of the Holy Spirit. This is why it is so important for us to recognize the Holy Spirit working. Because when we identify that, we can lean into that and strengthen our awareness. And, and then even utilize that for the kingdom of God. And it can be so powerful. Now today I want to just, again, we're just scratching the surface. And so we're only going to talk about six of the roles of the Holy Spirit. Some people would say there are dozens, hundreds, thousands, all these different, and that, you know, there's more being added, all these different things. Today we're just talking about what, you know, I thought were, you know, key six for us in our lives. And this is so important. In fact, I would argue this is of the utmost important in your relationship with God. Because if you begin to identify these six roles, once again, they will increase in your knowledge of God. They will increase your service of God, your ability to, like we talked about last week, fight back against spiritual warfare, wrestle with tough questions, ask tough questions, all those fun things. And so six roles, all right? First one that we're going to be talking about. The Holy Spirit is the voice of truth. Holy Spirit is the voice of of truth. And I don't know if you remember the Casting Crown song, um, The Voice of Truth, from over a decade ago. I was listening to that song on repeat today. Not today, this last week, as I was studying for this message and just thinking about the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and thinking about the truth. And this is big capital T truth. This is like godly truth. Like this is, this is, you know, God's way or the wrong way, like that kind of truth. And the Holy Spirit is the voice of that truth. The voice of that truth. And this comes from John chapter 16, verse 13. If you want to turn with me there, it'll also be on the screen. But this is what John writes about the voice of truth. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Let's read that again. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so as you're studying the word of God, and you're trying to identify what is God saying? The truth. What is the truth here within the scriptures? What is even in a relationship, if you've got a disagreement with somebody, if you're struggling with somebody, what's the truth that is there? What is God teaching me in this moment? What might be wrong in culture today as different things are popping around and you're struggling and wrestling with how do I be a Christ follower in today's culture and all of that fun stuff? What's the truth that is there? 
when I was uh, studying for this message today, I asked Facebook, um, the most reliable source on the internet, what is something that you want to learn from the message today? And one of the questions really stuck out to me, how do you distinguish between the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the enemy? And that, man, that's a powerful question. Because the enemy disguises himself so well. That's something Brad talked about last week. When we were talking about temptation and, the, and Satan in the desert with uh, Jesus. Satan used scripture to tempt Jesus. I don't think there's a greater disguise of the enemy than using our own weapon against us. But because Jesus was so in tune with the spirit and so in tune with the truth, he was able to combat the lies of the enemy. And so the enemy can, um, like I said, disguise himself in a certain way. And so that's why it's so important. So how then do you distinguish between the voice of truth and the voice of the enemy? Here's a couple of ways, all right? First, if you think that you have been told something special from God that does not line up with or contradicts the word of God, you're wrong. And that's harsh. That is aggressive. But because we believe in a never-changing God, we've had people come up to us all the time and say, hey, God says I can do this, all right? But it contradicts these four other verses. Well, yeah, but God's given, like, give me, you know, the hall pass. You know, he gave me the hall pass. I can, I can go and I can miss, you know, seventh period, and I can just walk around. Like, no, like, that contradicts everything that God stands for. Well, yeah, but my situation is a little bit different. I clearly heard the voice of God. No, you heard the voice of the enemy. The voice of truth. One way to distinguish is if you feel like you've heard God speak to you, go to Scripture. See if it lines up with the character of who God is. And, and be serious about it. When we make statements like, I have heard from God, that's, I mean, that's a bold statement. And I truly believe that God still speaks and works and moves. And the Holy Spirit still is in tune with humanity. Truly believe that. But take that seriously. Like I said, this is of the utmost importance. This is so important to understand. Okay, that's one way. Line it up with Scripture. Second way, when two or more are gathered, there Jesus is among them. If you feel like you've heard something from God, if you're wrestling with the truth, take it to a community of believers. Take it to a community of people, a friend who you are close with, who also is close with the Spirit, who you trust, who trusts God, and Share with them, hey, this is what I feel like I've heard. This is the truth that maybe I saw on Facebook or I saw on Twitter or I saw my friends teaching about or I saw Pastor Jordan talking about. Let's wrestle with it. Can we talk about it? Because where two or more are gathered, there Jesus is among them. There the Holy Spirit is among them. There God is among them. And so that's another way to distinguish between the voice of truth and the voice of the enemy. Don't just hear, just, don't just trust verbatim. Challenge it. Wrestle with it. And that's something that's beautiful in our generation is that we're giving, we're, we've been given permission to ask questions, tough questions, and wrestle with tough questions. And when you just trust my word for it, that's why I said, I'm going to give you the itch, and then you go scratch it. You go study. You go learn. You go dive deep into it. Last one that I would say to help distinguish between the voice of the enemy and the voice of truth is prayer. Is prayer. If you feel a holy disconnect Get discontent in your life about something that either you've heard, you've read, you believe, you've been told, all of those different things, go to God with it. Pray. 
And the type of prayer that we talked about in our prayer series last, we're close the door and just listen to God in silence and darkness and intentional time with God. If you're not hearing God and your only prayer time is in your car, five minutes to work, okay, again, that's not wrong, but Jesus says there's something better. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And so if you are only doing one, go into the intentional time with God. Talk to God throughout your day, but then also separate and uh, uh, excuse yourself from reality to dive deeper into the word of God. All right, that was number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit is the voice of discernment. Okay, the voice of discernment. This is, again, our access to be able to discern between the different voices of truth and the voice of the enemy. And discernment is one way that the Holy Spirit works in that. This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses, if I can get there. I've got different sticky notes because we've got multiple different verses today. Verses 14 through 16. Here's what Paul writes of the church in Corinth. He says this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So Paul writes that those without the Spirit can't understand the things from the Spirit. But this was revolutionary for the church in Corinth that was so disconnected from God. Chasing after pagans, um, chasing after sex, chasing after immorality, all these different things. And Paul says, hey, the voice of discernment is the Holy Spirit. So come near to the voice of discernment and he will help you discern. Am I supposed to switch jobs? Am I supposed to move? Am I supposed to give more? Am I supposed to serve more? And this is one of those things, like, don't take your decision-making lightly. Like, what does it look like for you if you are someone who loves to, or if you are someone who feels called to give sacrificially? Go to the Spirit and ask for the Spirit to discern how much. How much? If you are someone who loves to serve, go to the Spirit and ask the Spirit, how much? How much? Help me discern the decision-making. If you are feeling disconnected from your job or want to move on or your family feels disconnected, any decision-making, all of this, and then identifying the truth, the Holy Spirit is the voice of discernment. All right, number three. The Holy Spirit is our access to power. Our access to power. And we're going to talk about this a lot more next, uh, not next week because that's Vision Sunday, but in two weeks when we walk through the spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit and our spiritual gifts. I'm really excited about that message. But Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. This is um, receiving the Holy Spirit, and this is Jesus talking. And Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to move mountains, Jesus says. Power to heal. Power to be bold. That's another role of the Holy Spirit that we're not going to be able to talk about today. Power to be bold and to be courageous in, in opportunities where you would normally be fearful. And, and when we look at miracles, like, do we truly believe that God can do anything? Like, Jesus literally says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is just very itty-bitty, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to move, and it will move. 
The Holy Spirit is our power to be able to do that, our access to that power. Our access to that power. Role number four, the Holy Spirit is our advocate and our teacher. John chapter 14 writes about this concept once again. It says this, uh, John chapter 14, verse 26. If I can find it. Where did it go? There we go. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Once again, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This is so powerful. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, our ally, our fighter. He fights for us. God will fight for you, but he's also our teacher. We are not the teacher. We are the learners. We are the students. We are the mentees for the mentor. And so if you're struggling with your knowledge of God, if you, you know, hear big words and you're trying to um, just discern what they mean, the Holy Spirit is your access to that. He's your advocate at the same time. Cares for you so deeply, so deeply. Which leads us to our sixth role of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our suffering. Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our suffering. Fifth role. This comes from Romans chapter 8. And this is probably my personal favorite role of the Holy Spirit, if I'm allowed to have one. I'm team intercedes. Um, And so chapter 8, verse 26, known as the chapter on suffering. And this is what Paul is writing um, as he's going through this chapter and talks about, um, you know, the, the pain and the grief and all of that fun stuff that all of us go through. And he says, I consider it pure joy, the suffering I go through. And this is what he writes about the Holy Spirit's role in that. He says this, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. I have experienced this firsthand, especially since the loss of my dad. And I'm not really a crier, but I'll cry about once or twice a year. And it's like the ugly cry. It's like I built up 11 months of crying and then just bam, you know, like right there. And it's like snot and saliva and like what I ate for breakfast coming on out and all that fun stuff. Like this is like the Holy, and the Holy Spirit is groaning. And I've been, and I've always, you know, thought of it as like whimpering and weird noises. That's what I'm saying. Like this is where it gets weird. Like the, the itch is like, like stop itching because we're in public. Like that kind of a thing. Like this is the Holy Spirit working in our suffering with us. When we don't have the words to pray or the suffering and the energy to feel it or do it anymore. And I love that imagery. Psalms 34, 18 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And when I read that verse and I think about that verse, I think of an almond or an acorn or a walnut being just literally crushed by the nutcracker. Just something just, that's our spirit and that's our soul being crushed. And the God, the Holy Spirit is near to us in those moments groaning for us, interceding in our suffering for us and with us as our advocate and our ally. And if that doesn't hype you up for why you need the Holy Spirit, I don't know what will. Because you don't have to walk alone. You don't have to groan and grieve alone. Holy Spirit is here to walk with us. Number six, last one that we're going to be talking about today, is the Holy Spirit is our guide. 
The Holy Spirit is our guide. This goes back to what we talked about right at the very beginning in our first role, John chapter 16, verse 13, where we talked about the truth and the voice of truth, all that fun stuff. John writes this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. Friends, this is, I mean, this is of the utmost importance. If you want to take your walk with Jesus to the Holy Spirit level, lean into the guide, lean into the advocate, lean into the truth, the discernment, the one who intercedes for us, the one who makes us bold, as another role talks about, the one who makes us courageous, And it's powerful when we do. So here's how I want to close today. I want to share just a quick personal story and then encourage you to scratch the itch, right? Um, Like I said, I I struggled with this message. Not like too much, but I felt the spiritual warfare. I felt the enemy hitting hard. And there was uh, one night that I was out from like 1 a.m. till 4 a.m. on Thursday or Friday, just really trying to figure out what direction God was taking us today because there's so much to talk about. And um, really, my relationship with the Holy Spirit has been something of a priority for the last year and a half. I wish I could say it was longer than that, but it wasn't really until the last year and a half that I started studying it. And Brad's made multiple jokes about it, about what I'm about to share. Um, but as you may notice, I don't teach with notes, okay? And it's not to flex, it's, it's not to say that, but I wanted to share why I do that. And I struggled with whether or not I should share this, because it... it I don't want it to come across as a flex um, because that's not why I do it. Like, oh, look at me. No, no. It's like, uh, who cares? Okay, at the end of the day. Here's why. And I almost, um, again, I, I really wrestled with sharing this, but I wanted to give you an example of how I'm letting the Holy Spirit work in me. First, it is one of my spiritual gifts of communication. This is just something I'm gifted in, and that's what we're going to be talking about next week, or in two weeks, about spiritual gifts and leaning into your gifts. But the majority of the reason why I choose not to use notes is because I want to give the Holy Spirit permission to use me on this stage for 30 minutes, however the Spirit leads. And if I am connected to my notebook or my podium, then it becomes my talk. And that, again, that's, I mean, that is just my personal reasoning. You'll see pastors, some pastors choose to use notes, some pastors monologue it, some pastors love their notes. Like for me, when I have my notes, like that is just, that is, I'm just, you know, I'm not as in tune with the Spirit. And so I'm saying, God, you know what? Use me today. Most times that is a breath of fresh air because then I am just like so in tune with God and the Holy Spirit. Today I wanted my notes. Today I was terrified to preach without my notes. Because again, if you say one wrong thing, somebody might think you're a heretic and all that fine. We had a lot of points and ideas and verses, but I got to a point where I was talking with my mama on Thursday. I said, hey mama, you know, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. I need you to pray for me, Okay. Because I want so desperately to show our church what it looks like to grow in the Holy Spirit and to trust the Holy Spirit to work in you. And so here's what I want to leave you with, and then we're going to pray. Start scratching that itch. Take this seriously. Lean into those six roles and so many more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God and is the person of God on earth and in us when we allow him to be. So lean into that. Because here's the truth. I feel closest to God when I am closest to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for who you are and for this time with you, this, um, this message, for using me, God, to be your microphone 
Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, your person on earth. Thank you for the roles of the Holy Spirit. Help us to continue scratching that itch. In your name I pray.